0: Podcast CapSCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com coming to you live from the palatial Franklin estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the 6th. Uh, Virginia basketball now at 8 1 going into the exam break. Virginia football waiting on the military bowl as expected on December the 28th, where they will play uh, Navy in Navy's home stadium, which is an interesting little coincidence of, of this whole return to the postseason thing. Um, we'll talk about, we'll mainly spend most of our time tonight talking about basketball, I'm I'm sure, but we'll also talk about the, uh, bowl destination, Michael Kaiser winning the uh, Campbell trophy, um, which I think is a fairly significant thing. Um, so I want to give him a, a little burn on that as well as talking about sort of, um, how, what do we think of this matchup and that kind of thing? Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, everybody tonight is up in Arlington, Justin Ferber. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I guess it's just me and you tonight, so...
0: Yeah, Mono and mono. Yeah. Um, Dave is uh, in the process of expanding the business side and got tied up with some stuff, so um, hopefully we will catch him uh, next week as the schedule um, abides. Uh, Ferber is Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter Cavs Corner also on Twitter Cavs underscore Corner Great place for our in-game updates Content items And the occasional witty banter Um, So let's get started on the football side Um, Ends up being the military bowl um, Despite Doug Dowdy Trying to put the fear of God in my heart um, For like a good day and a half Before it got announced I was not trying to hop on a train To the Penn Strait Bowl I had zero interest in covering the Penn Strait Bowl Um, Was very glad once everything started to break on Sunday. Uh, Ferber had pegged the Military Bowl weeks ago um, and certainly uh, had it pegged going into the last weekend. Um, I think it's a perfect sort of spot for them. Uh, I I think the the place is going to be a sellout. I think that it's going to be a nice representation of fans. How do you feel about the Military Bowl, Ferber?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, if they had won another game or two, it, I might've felt a little different about it, uh, based on some other destinations that they could have ended up going to, but all things considered, I think this actually works out pretty well for everybody. Uh, I mean, it gives UVA fans an opportunity to go support the team and from everything we've seen, it seems like they're taking to it and, and buying the tickets. So that's awesome. And, uh, you get to play an opponent that, uh, it's not a power five team, but it's uh, obviously a, a well-respected, uh, historic college football program. Obviously they'll be playing in their own stadium, but, uh, you know, it's a team that UVA used to play all the time, and they don't play them anymore. So I'm sure some of the fans that have been around for a while will probably think it's pretty cool. Um, and then also, it's it's an opportunity for a lot of UVA's players who grew up in Maryland or in the surrounding area to kind of, especially the seniors who will be, you know, wrapping up their careers. The guys like Micah Kaiser and Andre Lavroni, um, who grew up playing in that stadium in high school championship games. It's a cool way to send them off. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, a lot of people look at bowl games and they think like, you know, tropical destinations like, you know, Orlando or Miami or wherever you might get sent. But uh, all things considered, it's it's better than Shreveport to Detroit. And for a 6-6 six and six team from this area, I think it's about as good as you can ask for.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the local angle, right, which is the number of alumni in and around the region in the DMV. Uh, makes just it makes so much sense for Virginia to be in this game. It makes for sense for Virginia to play Navy on the field. I mean, it's certainly not going to be unprecedented, right? That DeBronco Minhal is going to prepare for a triple option team. I believe at some point in the season he may have said he enjoys that. Um, I understand too that like realistically, every option is a little bit different, right? They all they're all these little tweaks, and certainly whatever um, Navy sees on film uh, from what UVA did against Georgia Tech. They're going to tweak that um, and 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 act accordingly. Um, but what what I think is a really interesting little wrinkle here is that Navy still has a game to prepare for um, because of Army Navy, and so it, it's a it's one of those things that you just don't kind of think about that one team has to still play a game. Now maybe the benefit of it is that they get the, you know the midshipmen are basically going to play on their home field. Um, it's just not going to be quite as. Um, much of a home field advantage maybe as it would normally be. I mean, their people are going to be there, but UVA is going to have a fair number of fans. And judging from the way that the website kept crashing the other day, um, it's, 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 there's a lot of interest, let's just say in this game. Yeah. I mean, Um, like
1: UVA fans keep saying like, it's not fair that we get to play Navy on their field. And I understand that Uh, two things. One, it happens more often than you realize. Uh, Miami is playing at home against Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl. Memphis is playing at home in the Liberty Bowl against Iowa State. And I think there's another team that I'm forgetting now that's also playing on their home field. It, I mean, it's a, it's a quirk with bowl games, but it does happen from time to time. I mean, like if UCLA played in the Rose Bowl, they'd be playing on their home field. Um, but also, if you wanted to make it not so much of a Navy home game, then buy tickets and go to the game.
0: Which I think is actually what's going to happen. And quite frankly, too, like December 28th, You know, in the mid-Atlantic, it's going to be cold. Um, What I think they say it thirty-six thousand roughly um, is the sellout number. So you know, feel free to to pack it in tight and get all nuzzled up together um, because it's probably going to be a cold one. But it's going to be fun, and and certainly from the football side of things, um, this week it seems primarily that the the team that while the while the assistants are out recruiting, um, the team is is practicing. But it seems like almost exclusively the young kids this week getting a lot of reps. Um, in practice, um, the good thing is too. Once, once, um, I, I, and Ferber, you checked me on this, but I believe that once school ends, they basically have unlimited um, access to the team, so they can practice and do, you know, they can pretty much do whatever they want to in terms of time. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah, I don't
1: think it's like spring practice where you get a certain number of hours or anything like right. that. I think you kind of can just allot the time as you as you see fit, because you're just preparing for that one game. So it's not like it's an advantage or anything.
0: Right. And so basically, as soon as exams are over, Virginia can get sort of unlimited access and and do a lot of different things. So my guess is, is that the kids won't get into actual game prep probably until the start of maybe week after next, you know, the week of the 18th. Yeah. And then if you look
1: at the bowl schedule, I mean, they're up here in in Annapolis or in D.C. for like a week. I mean, they're here before Christmas. So. um, Right. And I'm sure they'll be practicing around here somewhere. So.
0: Right. Right. Um, One of the things uh, Look, Micah Kaiser won What is commonly referred to as The academic Heisman And in listening to him On the teleconference Which I, I posted a, a notes thread on Just because I thought it was kind of cool And it's one of those things that Very rarely happens Matter of fact, it's the only second time In school history that a player Has won this award at UVA Virginia is the only team in the ACC With multiple winners in school in, in school history Which is pretty cool um, I just thought, man, like of all the kids that could 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 you know to be recognized, um, Kaiser just feels like the right one. I mean, the kid just embodies everything that you want. I mean, not just that he has a you know a, a high GPA and and you know he he makes the most it seems like of the advantages and opportunities he. His, he talked about today that his parents, you know, basically he never wanted for anything and they did everything they could to make sure that he had all the opportunities. And, and so Gilman prepared him for UVA, which has prepared him for life. Um, so, I mean, I think it's really cool that, he, that he's not only being recognized for this, but that he's the representative of the school on this, like, sort of media blitz. Um, you know, he was still in New York when we talked to him. He'll be recognized on the field during the national championship game. Um, I just think it's really cool, and it's certainly a great send-off for him, a kid who basically played this year on one leg and still led the ACC in tackles, which I believe he's a—he he, is the third year running. Um, the only other player to do that was Luke Keekly, um, who, you know, who was pretty pretty good. So I feel like Micah's setting himself up for a nice career in the NFL, and once that um, once that time is over, um, I expect big things from the kid. Uh, what do you think of, of sort of his legacy forever? What do you, what do you feel like he leaves behind? as he as he moves forward into his uh, professional endeavors
1: yeah i mean honestly the way that i kind of think about it is it's almost a shame that i mean imagine if he had done what he did when they were winning um i mean setting the records and getting you know getting done weekly what he was getting done i mean obviously this year kind of caught some people's attention because uva um you know improved to six and six and, and won some games but I think that some of what he did the previous two years is kind of overshadowed by, you know, what was going on with Mike London at the time. You know, was he going to get fired? And then the new coaching staff comes in, and, and there's an overhaul and some definitely like rebuilding moments last year. So I think like the fact you know that he did what he did while the team was struggling at times is kind of softened his legacy in a way that I I think is unfair because I think he's definitely going to go down as or he should go down as one of the best players in the history of the program but I'm not sure the fans now quite appreciate exactly like what he's done um on and off the field I mean not only did he you know lead the ACC in tackles like you said for 3 years and was an impact player on an improved defense this season but he also was the captain of a team in a time when they needed leadership, especially with everything that happened in Charlottesville over the summer and uh, and coming into a season that was very pivotal for the program. So I, I think he, he should get more credit than he gets, honestly. And may, I'm hoping that years from now, after he has hopefully a, a very successful NFL career, people will look back and kind of uh, appreciate what he did uh, during this time that you know there were maybe not as many bright spots as there, there could have been.
0: One of the things too he made mention of on the on the uh, teleconference today was that basically, uh, he he had a he had a multitude of offers coming out of high school and he felt like he would have gotten a lot more if he hadn't committed early to UVA. You talk about several players in this in this sort of era, so to speak of of you know the the dark times, so to speak of of UVA football. And I realize for older folks who are who remember the the true dark times, this is somewhat hyperbolic, so I apologize in advance, but. Um, Man, what is this team and program like at this point if they don't have Micah Kaiser? I mean, think about just the stability he offered, the 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 consistency he provided, um, and I think his the way he and Quinn especially bought into what Bronco Menhall and his staff were um, were kind of bringing to the to the table. I think it set the tone for the whole thing. I, I genuinely t- I genuinely believe that if not for Mike and Quinn. Um, this this thing just doesn't work. I, I genuinely believe that. I, I just think that you have to have um, old heads in the room who say, you know, what, we're going to do this and, and push people. Um, and he did, and he and he held himself accountable too. Like he's not he was not shy about you know if he thought he messed up, he'd say so. Um, but then hearing him talk today about um, you know passing the baton to, to Chris Peace and Jordan Mack, and um, mm-hmm. you know he he has a lot of faith in those guys and and sort of the 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 standard that's been set. If they if they win this game, if they don't win this game, um, I believe Micah Kaiser is a cornerstone of of this rebuild. And sure, he's not going to have anything to do with what comes after him. Um, but I think that none of it none of the positive happens without him. Um, and I and I said this on Twitter last night, and i I kind of I kind of didn't say it correctly. Um, but I think they should retire his jersey. And when I say that, what I mean is retire his number fifty-three. But in football, you really can't retire retire. I mean, point extra. Chris Long's numbers aren't retired retired. But I just I, I mean, look, I, the kid is everything you want in a student athlete. And in this day and age, with college sports being what it is, a kid like him doing it that way, you know what? I think he deserves recognition, and I'd love to see uh, love to see that happen. Um, any other thoughts for before we turn to to hoops?
1: Uh, Well, UVA did get a pretty big football commitment
0: yesterday. Oh gosh! Oh man, good, good save, good save. So yeah, (laughs) so so Bryce Perkins announces publicly what you know everybody pretty much I think had realized was the case privately. Um, The former Arizona State quarterback is is coming to Charlottesville. Uh, He'll enroll early. He will be on grounds for the uh, second semester and will be taking part in spring ball. There were three um, main dual threat quarterbacks that Virginia was really looking at. Uh, there was Bryce Perkins, there was Woody Barrett, and there was Terry Wilson. Um, and I'll say his name now because it's out there. Plus, it sounds like uh, Florida offered him, and so it, it doesn't, I mean... I, Ship you know, sailed. <laughs> yeah. They, you're not going to come and be the other dude at UVA when, when Florida offers. But all three of them, a similar game, similar kind of style, similar kind of things. I think what's been interesting to me uh, in kind of follow, you know, checking in on these guys and sort of this thing is that I made this whole to do about how i i wanted virginia offensively to go back to sort of being who the staff was before they got to charlottesville right go fast dual threat quarterback running and you know not necessarily the the whole Taysom hill thing but between perkins and armstrong and this uh a, a, you know and the idea that maybe like this is essentially what they want to get back to i think that's a really interesting sort of angle and it, it brings a sort of um a different frame for what we should expect in spring ball i mean i'm not you know, I'm not going to faint if if they you know they go out there and start throwing the ball a little bit, but it seems like to me they want to do a lot more on the ground, running the ball. Um, it they certainly have the backfield for it, right? They certainly have the pieces. Um, it would it would make losing Kurt Benkirk a little bit easier if um, you know they can be ready in spring ball with a true dual threat um, aspect. Um, what are your thoughts on Perkins, Forever? How do you feel about uh, his potential and, and how, sort of how? um, how you see things playing out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I saw his film when his name, you know, kind of came up as somebody that UVA was targeting as a, as a, as an addition possibly to the uh, quarterback room. And, you know, when I watched him, I, I thought it makes a lot, I think it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, we, we've talked about it during the season. I think what Kurt did as a passer this season is pretty remarkable. I mean, obviously he's going to go down in the record books at UVA in some categories. Um, and I think that the coaches did a pretty good job of of getting him from A to B from last year to this year, and then obviously this year he was a little bit healthier. But I honestly think that the way that this system is, is supposed to run and the one that Robert and I wants to run here, it, it involves a quarterback that can do some different things than what Kurt brings to the table. And like I said, I'm not trying to disparage him at all. I mean, he did a great job this year, and, and without him they're not going bowling. So, um I just think that Perkins brings a lot to the table as a runner that, that a night can use. And, and I remember two years ago uh, when the staff came, I I did a long preview with a bunch of gifts and video of, of the scheme that BYU ran at, or the coaching staff ran at BYU. And um, I, I think that going back and looking at it this week with Perkins committing, I, I think that a lot of what they wanted to do involved read option looks and uh, making the defenders hesitate and, opening up different options for the quarterback and a lot of their passing plays were off of that. So I think that this could be a a big development for UVA's offense. Um, his passing acumen is still a little bit unknown to me because we're only looking at highlights at this point um, and he didn't really play at Arizona State. So uh, I'm not saying he can't throw the ball. He definitely has a, a good arm. Um, you can see that on film, but the, you know, the, accuracy on out routes and stuff like that I'm not totally sure about but um, I think that the staff has shown that they can develop a quarterback from one year to the next with Bankard and I think Perkins coming in in the in the spring along with Brendan Armstrong I think will be good for the program to kind of get this dual threat type quarterback offense that they want to run going and uh, I mean I fully expect if if he you know makes it here which everybody you know he will um, and he stays healthy. I think he'll probably be the starter next year. Um, just based on who they have right now and where they are in their development. And I think, uh, it'll look different than it did this year, but I think that there's a path for UVA to maybe be a little bit more sound offensively with a different quarterback, uh, scheme anyway.
0: What is also important I think to point out and to sort of harp on a little bit is that, um, in a lot of ways, If they had, if they, I think in the in their heart of hearts, if they could have had a guy like Perkins or or even a Brendan Armstrong at the time that they arrived, they would have been all over it. And and I don't know um, if we would have seen so much of the pass happy, um, you know, everything to the outs that kind of thing. What I'm super curious about is once they have the dual threat quarterback in place and and Anai is able to run that sort of. you know that sort of uh, Portion of his playbook um, What does it look like though When they do throw right Because one of the things that, that Has stood out to me the last two seasons With Kurt is that that kid there are a lot Of these throws that literally he's the only one that could Make and I and I say that because he has a plus Arm talent like he, he's got a Rocket not a lot Of dudes have that even if Perkins I mean Perkins has a pretty good arm I think Armstrong's got a pretty good arm But the, I don't think either one of them has Kurt Benkirk's Arm right and you can't a lot of dudes just can't throw those those passes to the outs like you know you're throwing across the field in a window uh, i i think that's just a that's a tough throw i think that's the thing that gets nfl scouts excited is that you see a kid you know with a with a pretty good um you know a pretty good set of skills maybe you know maybe there's some things you'd like to adjust and certainly um, there were times this season where pocket presents continued to, to to bite him but in hearing and talk about like all the stuff they put on Kurt's plate I'm just curious like how, so what do they do now do they put that much on this kid's plate um I I would think not I would think they're gonna they're gonna um they're gonna allow they're gonna let the um, the run pass options the 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 if they're playing if they are running the read option that hesitation like ferber told you know mentioned earlier today in in our um text thread offline like the idea that that little bit of a delay allows the offensive line to do things um uh, as the as the defense is reading the play um and so i'm I'm really curious to see sort of how that transpires. I like the i mean look we don't need to lose sight of Brendan Armstrong I think that kid. He was, their, he was one of their top two targets all along. Um, he and Quincy Patterson, I think, they you, Rival says Patterson is a four-star now. But, I mean, Armstrong's a really, really nice prospect. Um, the two of them shoring up the quarterback position um, is, I can't even explain how crucial it is because three weeks ago, right, three weeks ago when it looked like they were going to have Wyatt Rector and they were still, you know, you thought they were going to look for some type of transfer, I mean, man, you, you just didn't, you, you just, you felt unsure, right. About the future of the position. And we talked a lot about among the three of us about just how dire that thing could get, you know, cause you're, you know, we, we've seen enough um, maybe images and some video from, from these early practices to see Devonte cross back at quarterback in this with the, what there seems like they're going to do. that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I kind of don't want to discount his chances because he's an extremely talented athlete and all i heard all season long was you know that the defensive staff just just thought he was that he was just the bee's knees like they were they were really excited about that kid's potential um on the offensive side of the ball they 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 obviously played him on defense some and because they needed to but if cross goes back there you got perkins cross uh and and armstrong that's a nice that's a nice little group of of talent now i don't want to just pretend like lindell stone doesn't exist that's not my intent here but until i mean maybe he puts maybe he gets in the spring and he and he just wows everybody takes some big steps forward and if he does you know what i'll eat crow um i don't ever want i'm just a, i'm the type of person i don't count kids out it, i would just say it like this it doesn't appear to me like he's the future of that position if he were if he if he ultimately earns that and he wins it you know what hats off to him because if he does that I mean that's really good sign for uva um but i think with with perkins um in the fold with Armstrong there, with Cross kind of moving back to quarterback, at least for now. Um, I, I kinda I I gotta say, I kind of like where UVA is at quarterback. I, I still wouldn't be opposed to them taking one more transfer. Um, just for I mean, let's let's call the spade a spade. The reason that one of the one of the reasons at least that Perkins left Arizona State is because he hurt his neck. Neck injuries can be a little bit dicey. Um, so maybe they 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 take a more traditional grad transfer in the sp- in the spring or slash summer, and we sort of you know we see how they add to that depth. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean not only that, but you know dual threat quarterbacks by nature get hurt more. And the last two years that the staff was at BYU, Taysom Hill got hurt both times, both years. Um, so I'm cool with the idea of grooming Perkins to be the guy and you know planning for that to happen but you also you need to have somebody else that's ready to come in and and do something um and BYU I mean to their credit this coaching staff did that at BYU I forget who Hill's backup was the second to last year they were there but he came in and did okay for the games he had to play and then Tanner Mangum was the backup to Hill and they kind of redid their offense for Mangum because he's more of a pro style guy but he's an elite 11 quarterback I mean they had a plan at that position and and I appreciate what they're doing from a roster management standpoint here, with trying to bring in a JUCO or grad transfer or, or whatever, and, and keep things rolling while also bringing in freshmen instead of just having to say, "Okay, freshman or sophomore, you just got to go out there and do it." Um, so, I mean, I think that that's that's a good approach to have. Um, you just, I feel like you have to maybe you move, you move cross back if if Stone doesn't work out and and you just try to do what you can with him and, and let Armstrong learn for a year, or maybe you feel like Armstrong can be the backup. It just depends. But, I mean, it's good to see, like, some some roster management at that position. And also, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people, like, on our message board and in other places I've seen, they've just assumed that UVA can't go get JUCO guys because of the grades and, and all of the academic requirements for the school. But credit the staff for going out and finding one that, that they could get in. So, I mean that that's a that's a i mean that's the approach that a lot of teams are taking to manage the quarterback position and other positions on their roster is finding juco guys that are bounce backs as they call them uh from fbs programs so uh, i i credit the staff for being a little bit innovative in that regard whereas some of the previous staffs might not have done something like this
0: yeah i would agree with that the last note i'd i'd say is that the idea of kids going from tr- leaving a, a traditional four year to going to juco going back to a four year that's going to become an even bigger thing um, yeah, I mean, it's, already, it's taken
1: off everywhere. I mean, yeah. Virginia Tech, I know people don't want me to compare UVA to Virginia Tech, but last year their starting quarterback, who was really good, was a Juco player. And then the guy they brought in this year that ended up losing the job to Jackson was a Juco player. So, I mean, it's, and a lot of other schools are going that route too.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. uh Let's transition, no pun intended, to basketball where the Cavaliers fell uh, for the first time this season. Last night, sixty eight, sixty one in Morgantown. A, a game that, quite frankly, uh, they I think they made enough plays to win. They also just made enough plays to lose. Um, I don't have a lot of heartburn over this game. I, I don't have a sense of worry or, or doubt. I do have a sense of there are some things that need some uh, you know things that need addressing. What were some of your uh, takeaways from that uh, from that loss last night, Forever?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. They got off to a little bit of a rough start, uh, to the game, just out of out of sync, you know, they were down seven nothing, and it just felt like the West Virginia defense was starting to you know, UVA it's it's interesting. When you watch UVA basketball nowadays, it's very rare that you see another team kind of dictate to them. And I felt like at times West Virginia was able to do that, and I think that was part of the difference. Um I mean you gotta give them credit just like you give UVA credit. The styles are very different, but they try to accomplish the same things. They try to get stops, and and you know they're more focused on turnovers. But um, you know they they grind out possessions. Both teams are top five in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, so I mean that was probably the best team that you are definitely the best team UVA's played in a tough road environment. So like you said, I mean not a lot of reason for heartburn or anything like that. I mean it, it's it was they were they were underdogs going into the game, and and they. Uh, and they played pretty well, I thought. I mean, at times, it just, it wasn't a complete game, good enough on the road in a place like that to win over 40 minutes, but, I mean, what we've seen to this point has been pretty solid. Take away some minutes in this West Virginia game, and maybe some of the Greensboro game, Uh, I still think that they're off to a pretty good start to the year, and you know, Kyle. If he maybe doesn't start off the game so cold, they they maybe win the game. If if they avoid some turnovers by Ty and some other guys down the stretch, maybe they win the game. But even though they didn't win, I think it's still a good learning experience. And at the end of the day, this loss isn't going to derail their season. So I think, at the end of the day, it's it's a net positive to play games like this.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with a lot of that. I think my thing coming out of this game, and as I wrote on the site today. I'm not really sure what's going on with Ty. Um, I think Virginia has to get more consistent play from him and or Nigel. Um, y- you know what you're getting from Devin. Kyle seems to be have a good to do to do a pretty good job of continuing to hunt his shot. Tony even said after the game, um, "Hey, look, it's kind of hard because on the one hand you want to tell him like, hey, just you know make sure you're taking good shots, but the second time you need him to be aggressive. That's who he is." And I I gotta be honest, Tony saying that after the game should give people like the people who are like sort of like freaked out about like offense and pace and blah, blah, blah. Like here he has recognized like, Hey, this kid has an innate ability to, to put the ball in the basket. We need to let him do that. Like, he's not trying to make Kyle anybody who he's not. And I, I gotta say like that to me is, is the sign of a good coach, which is to say, Hey, I, I got this piece of the puzzle. Um, I need to let him be himself. I need to let him do what he does. Um, and Look, they he almost shot him back into that game, man. I mean, I think uh, beyond those things, the the big takeaway for me was just they play with so much heart and grit. Like you're like I just cannot see this team losing many games by double digits. You know what I mean? Like they're going to fight. They're not going to get their head they're not going to put their heads down and and kind of get in their feelings about it. Um I I think that part of this uh team's potential really comes down to what happens with Ty and Nigel. Um, can they develop a third score? Um, how how much can Momdi put on his plate? Where can you know? Can can Devin really take that next step? Because he certainly looks like he's 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 flirting with it. Um, I just thought I, I look. I, I said this on radio tonight. Like it, the, these two teams play ten times; they'd split at five and five. Um, I and, and I would pay to see a lot of those matchups. Um, they're just two equally matched. Um, teams and last night I thought, um, I thought in in a lot of ways it seemed like Virginia wanted to sort of get out and run a little bit like they did against VCU, uh, but West Virginia just did an incredible job of like not just picking up the pressure, but but the junk stuff just keeping you out of your out of your rhythm. You know they did they just never let Virginia s- settle down, and the Kyler still almost came back and won that game. Yeah, I mean after I, starting I, both halves pretty horribly,
1: I think West Virginia deserves a lot of credit. Honestly, I mean. They 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 kind of like I said they kind of took it to UVA early and, and then they made them they made them earn. I mean, just getting the ball up the court. I mean, it's kind of like the way that people talk about UVA's defense when you watch them and it it does create ugly basketball at times just like UVA style does, but they make you just they make you earn half court. I mean, a lot of teams don't don't do that. I mean, you you get it's just granted. It's just given to you just like how UVA's plays defense and some of the stuff that they don't allow is, is given to you by a lot of other defenses. But I mean, I think they deserve credit for playing well at home and getting a win against a good UVA team. I mean, but they made some shots that just, they don't normally make And, and UVA's defense allows shots like that because they're low percentage shots. And and too many of them went in uh, on Tuesday night. So,
0: so as they move forward, let's talk about what's ahead. So they get a week off for the exam break um, I guess more like a week and a half, and then they get Davidson. What, what's your? I, I, I was, I was kind of shocked, to be quite frank, when I looked at Ken Palm and saw that that where that where the numbers are on that game. Um, what are your, what's your confidence level like with Davidson being the first team out of the break?
1: Yeah, I mean Davidson provides challenges. I mean it's it's a different kind of challenge than what a team like WVU provides, but they uh they're a well coached team and uh UVA played them a number of times in recent years and gotten the better of them but Davidson has pushed UVA a few times too so i, I think that they're offensively they're usually very i mean they don't turn the ball over very much they they shoot well from 3 um you know, they've played a they played a number of good teams already this year Nevada who's a ranked team they they lost to by 13 they lost to North Carolina by 10 um, so they are 4 and 3 on the year but I mean, I think that that's a team that can give UVA some trouble. They've scored 100 points twice, but I think UVA usually does okay against teams like this, especially at home. Um, and I think that they'll be able to take care of business, especially after the layoff. But they have to come out shooting because Davidson's the type of team that can get on you in a hurry.
0: Yeah, ain't that the truth. And that's and 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 that's one of the, the things I was thinking about, which is to play a team like that coming out of an exam break, um, I think that's going to be tough. I mean, like I said, I was really shocked when I looked at Ken Palm. Um, for folks who you know who might not know, Ken Palm does a um, um, if you're a subscriber to his site, um, which I mean, frankly, it's my number one resource. Um, he's got this thing as a nine, basically a ninety percent chance that Virginia wins it. He's got him winning by a fourteen point margin right now in terms of what his algorithm and his numbers say. Um. I mean, I realize that that Davidson is maybe not quite as good as maybe some of us thought earlier in the season. I mean, they scored 100 points in the first two games right out of the gate. Um, But then they lost to Nevada. Then they lost to Appalachian State. Uh, They beat Charlotte by five. uh, Then lost to Carolina by ten before they beat VMI. So they're currently, at least as of now, four and three – They'll play uh, one more game. Excuse me. They they don't. They're off until uh, the Virginia game as well. So I don't know. I mean, I, you're talking about the the number one team in the country when it comes to turnover percentage offense. So what that means is they just do not turn over the ball. Um, and uh, it, it's funny because in terms of you you think of Davidson, you think of pace. They're they're really off the mark um, in terms of. I, I mean, I really expected them to be playing a lot faster. So they get. They get uh, Davidson. Um, they the get next, two, the Th- next two, I'm not very worried about. Yeah, yeah. The next the, the next one is Savannah State three days later, and Pagum Pom has this as a 99.9% chance win. Yeah, and it only I,
1: goes up to 99. <laughs> it's like he yeah, had that's to. The he's, first like, time nope. I, he's like, nope, we got to add the extra points. Yeah, 0.9. that's
0: the first time I've ever seen any other decimal points on a 99% win. Both of those are at 99 or above. So, uh, clearly, the chances of Virginia going into ACC play on December the 30th against Hampton, excuse me, on De- December 30th against Boston College, uh, Hampton the ACC. Um, the fact, you know, the idea of them going three and zero and being eleven and one are pretty good. And so, so they open with Boston College, and they have to go to Virginia Tech on a nine o'clock game on January the third, um, which I think is going to be a battle. That's um, going to
1: be a tough game. That's for both teams. Tough I mean, I think yeah, it's, no, it's, yeah, it just for sets for up teams. to be a really good game.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, now, interestingly, Virginia will have an extra day of rest, and, and Tech is having to come back uh, on that Sunday. They plan a Wednesday. On that Sunday, Tech has to come back from Syracuse. Um, and there's no
1: students in town. Well, I mean, I'm sure yeah. some will come back for it, but that that's so, always a factor. So th-
0: um, that'll be interesting to see what uh, um, what the barn is like. Uh, that night. So anyway, so then Virginia has to go uh has to, they get Carolina at home, they get Syracuse at home. Um and then they go, excuse me, they get NC State at home as well. So the air, so of the first 5 ACC games, 4 of them are going to be home, which means at some point you're going to get screwed. Yeah, uh, I feel like
1: you kind of got to rack up some wins. I mean, I know North yeah, Carolina and down. Syracuse have talent. Sorry. And uh <laughs> Tech's a pretty good team and it's on the road, but uh I feel like they got to get at least like 3 wins there at least uh, because but, but, you're going to have to make up these home games at somewhere on the schedule.
0: Yeah. The the stretch I'm looking at, okay, at Duke on the 27th of January, at home against Louisville 4 days later, then um on the on the 3rd that Saturday at Syracuse and then they got to go to Florida State the next Wednesday before coming back home for Tech. And then they go to that, Miami and then they go to Miami. So I mean you're talking about like I understand sometimes with the ACC you can look at it and you go, "Oh man, this is tough." But like some of the some of the geographical bits of that, right? You're going to go from Syracuse to Florida state, right? So you catch a cold. I mean, seriously, think about the <laughs> distance between those two schools, right? And the like, temperature. I mean, maybe it's not quite Miami BC, but it's you know, it ain't bad. I, you're talking about doing all that in 4 days and oh then by the way, 3 days later you got to come home and play tech. Um, before you you go back down and, and go to Miami three days later, so you're going to do. There's a lot of travel. I feel like Florida State is going to be much better this season than I expected. Um, I feel like Louisville probably not going to be quite as good as I even even after all the turmoil there. Um, Duke is better than I thought. Um, I'm not really sure how Ken Palm doesn't have them number one.
1: I don't know Ken Palm. You has UVA at a three point loss in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean on the road. Yeah, which is you know what's interesting to me is that it's a 3 point loss but it's a 38% chance, you know what I mean? Yeah, Nine because percent.
1: because the way that his model is is he knows that UVA plays fewer possessions, so th- right. like a 3 point game, a 38% Might as well be a chance. Point. Yeah, yeah, for other teams it would be a 10 point game or whatever.
0: Right. So, at this point Kempom has UVA going 24 and 6. Um, now that's not necessarily always specific. Like if you counted up the number of wins. Yeah. It's, he,
1: it's a, he just does it like the whole thing
0: averaged out. Or whatever. Right. So like, there's a difference. He does game by game by game based on numbers, but then he does the season based on percentages. And, and yeah, if you go else. game
1: by game, he has them 16 and two in the ACC.
0: Yeah. Losses to Duke and to uh Miami. Um, which I think folks would sign up for right now.
1: I mean, if you, even if even if it's twenty four <laughs> and six thirteen and five, that's like you're looking at like a two seed or a three seed. Yeah, or maybe um, a one seed, <laughs> depending on how things shake out.
0: Right. Before we wrap up, I, I want to get into um, to a couple things. We we normally like to do these like, um, and uh, and I'm thinking maybe for next week we we will do something like a, um, you know. Retrospective for the first You know nine games Or look ahead to the next um, Next however many games We sometimes will do that During breaks You mean um, when
1: Dave Puts down the blueprints And rejoins <laughs> us
0: <laughs> Well <laughs> thinking more along the lines Of content you would write Next week Yeah sure But um, I would say my MVP To this point Is Devin Hall And and I know I say that When Kyle Guy Is the leading scorer And has the ability To just like Go in fuego out of nowhere, like that 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 stretch last night was just ridiculous. Um, I think if he makes that fourth one, the heat check one, um, I mean, I think the guy, the kid, could literally still be on fire. Yeah, right that might be the
1: end of the game. I mean, like they right? might have won the game if he made. I mean, and those were, I mean, they weren't bad shots. It was just like you kind of had to keep shooting at that point. You were the offense, so I mean, if you're him, so I mean, I'm
0: looking. Look, check this out. He hits the first one at thirteen fifty three. He hits the second one at thirteen oh nine, and he hits a third one at twelve forty six. I mean,
1: so nine points in a minute. So
0: nine points in a minute. Like that's, like, I mean, like, everybody playing wants to UVA a-
1: slow basketball where you, the other <laughs> gonna team has say. the ball for thirty <laughs> seconds.
0: Right. Like that's pretty impressive. Um, but also too good on the other guys to getting the rock. But you no, know, where I was going with this is like I really hope. I really hope people appreciate what Dev is doing right now. Like for whatever reason, Devin Hall is like the lightning rod for people. It's like he could, he could go four for five uh, from the field. Miss maybe let's say two, two, maybe he he goes four for six at the free throw line and people will be like, yeah, but you know, he needs to make his free throws and and he needs to get better in the lane. And you're like, I, and and like it's funny because like this this idea like people always expect I don't know what they expect. From he's this. just
1: kind of like taken for granted. Yeah, it's like, that's well, what I'm he, It's like he's just going to get us his ten to twelve and and whatever. Like, but honestly, I mean, last night they needed him more than they've needed him in a while, and he stepped up in a big way early in the game and made some big shots and and some and ones and you know had some physicality, and then obviously he's a great rebounder as a guard and right. uh, and he's just he's careful with the basketball. I mean. He he has gone from a role player who had some decent nights and also had some warts to a guy that you can trust more than probably any guy on this team. Honestly,
0: yeah, I mean he is a, he he to me is the the MVP of this team, and I say that knowing one that Kyle's the leading scorer, but also that too that you know, it's hard to just put into words what Isaiah does, and maybe if he doesn't roll his ankle, that thing's a different uh, different game. But um, the unsung hero. Um, To me, and and whenever I I, whenever I talk about this, like the MVP to me is the guy who carries the team. That doesn't necessarily mean that the MVP can't also be the unsung hero because the little things Devin does, um, the especially the rebounding, like I think he's the best rebounding guard in America. I just I I just think that as he goes, so too will this team, and that seems weird when they have so many other pieces. But I tell you what, what I saw from Momdy last night. Has I, I need to see more Because that's one thing That you, you don't want to overreact But man The potential Of what this team could be um, Between If if he's able to sort of to, to earn more time And you can put him and Isaiah On the floor at the same time um, Or put him and um, uh, Dre on the floor at the same time um, I, I mean there's just so much length I, I, I really like the potential of this team and, and what I saw last night uh, Isn't going to really slow me down um give the people your mvp ferber and we'll wrap it up
1: yeah i mean i'll go with the sung hero uh, cow guy um as opposed to the unsung hero uh i mean he just he can take the team to another level i mean he's the guy that i mean they boo him every time he gets the ball now (laughs) like he has never done anything to any west virginia fans they just know like they're like this guy can go off and I mean, he's been able to get to the rim, too, in addition to making threes, and obviously he's a reliable free-throw shooter. He had some tough moments last night against the traps and stuff in the backcourt, but I mean, what he brings offensively is something that, you know, last year, if you think about what happened to UVA down the stretch, and I don't remember how many losses it was in a row, four or five, um, their offense just went away. They, they They didn't have any answers, and... I think this year that's not going to happen because I don't think Kyle's going to let that happen. You know, he can't make every shot and he can't, you know, score 60 points by himself. But I feel like he is the slump buster player where he can just, you know, if they're having a few bad possessions, if he can just make a couple of threes. And honestly, you saw it last night. I mean, we were talking about it watching the game. It's just, you know. If he could just make a three here, a couple of threes, you kind of feel like this game could turn around. And it wasn't enough, but it did kind of turn the tide in the game for a little while. So, and and I was there at, at the stew uh, for him going off against VCU. They just they had no answer for him whatsoever. And you know he was so good getting off screens, and his teammates did a good job of finding him. And and they were just it was demoralizing, honestly, for their for their team and their fans. Um, just to they just didn't have an answer for him
0: think that's a good place to put a pin in it i want to continue to thank everybody out there for for uh, continuing to support the show um and giving us a listen week in week out we really appreciate uh your time and your devotion also want to say thank you to ferber for giving graciously of his time as well always much appreciated uh hopefully we'll have the crew uh all the way back together uh next week so yeah hopefully Joseph- <laughs> don't say that dave will feel bad um so for uh, justin ferber i am brad franklin publisher of calvescorner.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon